0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Yeah. Well, thank you for that welcome, Philip. And it's great to be back in person again. Uh, I'm doing a Zoom tonight for a church in Wicklow, country church, but, you know, quite a big congregation. And I said, well, what time's it at? And they said, thirty. I said, are you out of your mind? Line of duties at 9 o'clock. <laughs> they're crazy people. Things people do. Anyway, I, I, I just think what I'm going to say today is going to fit into what you've been doing, thinking about invitation, because I'm going to do something today that probably many of you will never have heard a sermon on before. Oh, you say, what could that be? Well, I'm going to talk on the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of the old stanzas of the church uh, used to be, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Let's all say it together. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And so the whole theme of the second coming of uh, of Christ, uh, certainly when I was young, which is a lot of years ago, uh, it was uh, something that we heard, probably one out of three sermons was on this particular subject. And the reason for that was that there was a lot of fear about Remember, we were living in the Cold War days. Everybody expected it to be a Third World War. And there was a sense in which people were afraid and they needed comfort and strength and something of hope in their lives. Life passed by, and I probably haven't preached on this for that's how old I, for forty years, and and there's a couple of reasons for that. I think number one, we're in a season where there's a lot of fear about. A lot of people are genuinely afraid about the future, given what we've been through in the last year, and also too, probably about thirty five years ago, we had this increasing sense that the kingdom of God which is to come, was actually both now and not yet. In other words, in other words, that which we are going to experience in the future, that the church got the the chance to live it out here. We get to join in the work of beginning that work. On this earth. So the kingdom of God, which is to come, is both now and not yet. And that became our focus building God's kingdom on earth. And that was a great focus and needed a a, a balance. The other thing that happened was, of course, people began to get silly about the whole thing. They wrote books on it and they began to predict when Jesus was coming and uh, they got it wrong. And it just uh, it led the whole subject into into disrepute. So, I'm going to try and think mostly about the why. Why is Jesus coming? Because I think if we understand why Christ's coming back, it'll help us in our daily lives and help us get a sense of the urgency of the gospel uh, of Jesus today. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he went on a—I call it a jolly—to Israel, paid for by the Israeli government, and they— um, it was, uh, it was for um, a tourism purposes and a group of about 40 pastors. He's from Northern Ireland, but he, he, he ministers in England. And uh, they had the chief rabbi of Israel come to speak to them. And the tradi- Jewish tradition is that when the Messiah comes to earth, he'll, he'll come to the Mount of Olives. He'll walk through the Kidron Valley. And he will go through the Eastern Gate, which is actually blocked up today. And the chief rabbi will meet him at the Eastern Gate. And when the, when the uh, chief rabbi had finished talking, my friend said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, when Messiah comes back, what are you gonna to say to him? And he thought for a moment and he said, I'll, he said, I'll ask him this. Is this the first or second time you've been here? <laughs> which is a pretty astute question. The biblical view of history is linear. In other words, it has a beginning and it has an end. First creation and then building to a climax. In other words, there's a day coming when earth as we know it will finish. And we need to live our lives in view of that and view everything in light of that. Now, the implications of the fact that Jesus had a bodily resurrection means this, that he has not abandoned planet earth and become a disembodied spirit and gone back into heaven. The King Jesus has a body which though glorified and changed, it is as literal and as physical as when he was on earth. In Christ, the restoration of all things has commenced. Now, Christians may differ on the timings, but most Christians believe that God's program On earth, for earth involves the establishment of a kingdom which Christ will rule over and will include and encompass the whole of the globe. Paul talks about it in Romans. He, talks about, he says this, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. There's a real sense in which men and women are looking forward to something which will happen when Jesus will put things right, Even planet earth itself groans. Our planet longs for the restoration of the way it should be. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, when when it says that in the Bible, it doesn't mean that this earth as we know it will be destroyed. It means brought back to its former condition. It means restored to its former condition, better than it was so there's going to be a new heaven, and when it says heaven, of course, it means the firmament, the, the, uh, the stars, the sky. It'll be renewed in a new way. God will always have a material expression of His purposes, and that's guaranteed by Christ's eternal retention of His human nature as well as His human body. Um, scripture reminds us, and let me get straight into it, Acts chapter 1, verse 9. It says this after he'd said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up into the sky as he was going as Jesus, and when suddenly two men in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, important, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way as you've seen him go up into heaven. So it's a it's a death of Christ, the resurrection, the ascension. And the return of Jesus Christ. Let's ask ourselves a few questions. Who's going to come back again? Well, the angel made it clear, he said, this same Jesus. Points to note, they didn't use any of his divine titles, they used his human name. Why? They emphasize this: that the very same Jesus who walked on planet Earth is the same Jesus who's coming back again. And he won't have changed in the meantime. He won't have changed. Sometimes people think, well, somebody's been away, they might have changed. Hebrews tells us this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some people assume that Jesus went back to some sort of spirit form when he went back to the Father. The truth is, when Jesus Christ became human, wait for it, he keeps that resurrected body for all eternity. As you slept last night, there was a man in charge of the universe, Jesus Christ. And and what is he doing now? It, it, it says in Timothy, it says there's one there's one mediator, a go-between between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so Christ intercedes for us, not not going, God, you don't understand them, I do. The fact is this: that a man with a new body who died on the cross for us is standing in the presence of God, and he represents us. That's why there has to be a human being for all eternity, a human being for all eternity at the, in the presence of God. Incredibly, a perfect human being is in control of our universe. So this same Jesus, remember, humble as a baby in Bethlehem, a boy in Nazareth, a joiner for 18 years, a miracle worker for three years. This is the same Jesus who will return to planet Earth one day, no less human than when he walked on dusty roads. Just one change. He now has a what we call a resurrected body, which he received before he ascended into heaven. Now, the glorious body of Jesus has the same appearance uh, because he will have scars and marks that came through the cross that he will bear for all eternity, but he's no longer subject to the process of aging, decay, and death. I think this is me talking. Okay, that he'll be he'll be 33 when he comes back again. I think it'll be the same. I think it'll be the same. Uh, and I doesn't say that in the Bible, but I take that one for what it's worth. We will have remember, and this is important. We will have a similar body, but we'll be the same people because this isn't reincarnation, this is resurrection. Reincarnation is you go in as a dog and out as a flea, okay? Do, do you understand? You become something different. But resurrection is the essential you. Now, that'll be a big disappointment to you but so, with some of the people that you live with. You'll be thinking, what? Now, of course, it'll be a body which is no longer affected by pain or suffering or, or sorrow. You know, the, we have new bodies. Wow, I'm looking forward to that one. But, but, and without the sin, but you will be you. You will be you. It doesn't tell us a lot about it, but the ascent, if Jesus, if, if, if He was the first fruits, then we, we follow the pattern of Christ. Let's keep that in your mind. So, Jesus, uh, if it, here's the point if, if Jesus is coming back and He still has a human body, it has to be the one location. Because the Spirit can be everywhere, but the body has to be somewhere. Okay? Now, where's it going to be? Well, I think uh, uh, the, spirit, the Spirit, as I said, is everywhere, but His body has to be somewhere. That's why Jesus said, Do you, I don't you even remember this in John's Gospel? He said, look, it's better for you that I go away. He says, because I'm going to send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were going to be scattered to all the ends of the earth, and they would need the, the omnipresence of God with them. Because Christ could only be in one place at one time. And when Christ comes back, we'll have both the Spirit and the person of Jesus. So where will it be? Well, I think I I I think most people, most most theologians believe it'll be to Jerusalem. It'll be to the city of Jerusalem. It'll be outside the city. Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives. And in Zechariah 14, 4, it says this. It says that on that day, he, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and it will take place above the mountain. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17. So we will have instantaneously receive our new and glorified body. We will meet him because gravity won't affect us. And then we will come back to earth again. Let me, let me read First uh, Thessalonians 4 to you. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Uh, here's what he says. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's Word, we tell you that we are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, We who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will be with the Lord forever. Encourage one another with these words. Paul, we reckon that Paul was in Thessalonica for four Sundays, for four four weekends, four Sabbath days, and he taught them what he could, but when he went away, of course, they said, well, Christ's coming back again. What about the people who die before he comes back again? That was the question. So sometimes, sometimes the New Testament is asking questions. Paul's answering questions, but we don't know what the question was. But we know in this case, they're going, what happens to the people who die before Jesus is back? He says, don't be worrying about it. He says, Christ will come back again with a loud shout, without, with, the, with the angels with him. And he said, in an instant, the, the graves will be opened and they will receive their glorious body, be re- reunited with their spirit and meet the Lord in there. Then those of us who are still alive, we'll join them. And he wants to. He went up from the mount of Olives, and he's going to come back there. Only two angels attended his ascension, but thousands will accompany his return. Matthew twenty-five: When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He put the sheep on the, left, on the right and the goats on the left. Then Jude 14 says this, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied, See, the Lord is coming of thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. Only 11 saw him go, but millions will witness his return. It'll be noisy. God speaking, the archangel shouting, the trumpet blowing, and us cheering. Wow. The incarnation was relatively secret, but this will be a complete contrast. Not a helpless baby, but a mature man. Not a single star, but lightning according to Jesus in Matthew. Not in weakness, but in power. Not in meekness, but in majesty. There will be universal awareness, instant recognition. Everybody on planet earth will know that Jesus Christ has come back again. You say, how do you know that, Instagram? <laughs> well, I mean, somebody's going to take a snap of it, aren't they? You know, I mean, it's got, it's got to happen. You know, if you live in Argentina and Jesus goes back to Jerusalem, you know, there's, but, you know, if, if something happens across the globe, he says, I tell you, it's, it's not 30 seconds before everybody knows, but we're going to know. There's, there's three different words to describe his coming uh, in, in Scripture. I'll give them to you. Parousia, Parousia uh, epiphania, and apocalypsis. Okay? Say them with me. No, I'm only really joking. Uh, Parousia, epiphania, and apocalypsis. And they're used to describe different aspects of the same coming. Some people think that there are going to be two comings. that come back, take the church away. There'll be a period of time, chaos on earth, and then come back again. Personally, I think there'll be one coming back and then the establishment of Christ's rule, okay? So, that's just to set that one out. I don't want to get into it. There's a, I can't only do so much in, in 30 minutes. Uh, Peruusia means to be beside. It's the idea of a, a king waiting outside a country, waiting to invade. He's, it's the idea of, of beside, or, or a country waiting for their king to come after he's been away at battle it's the whole idea of, of being beside. Epiphany means appearing on the scene. <clears throat> it's, it's like the cal, cavalry riding in. It's, it's the idea of a, there's, a, there's an, a, an appearance. I don't know if ever, you're ever a Lord of the Rings fan, anybody, but uh, you know that Helm's Drift, you know, when they're all down and the orcs are just breaking through, and suddenly a light is on the hill and Gandalf and the trees are there, and they rush down and the, the idea of that, something suddenly, you know, goodness, what are we going to do? And the, there's an appearing, and Christ comes back again. And, and the epiphania means appearing on the scene, uh, appearing on the scene. It's the idea of uh, apocalypsis, rather, sorry. It's to, it's to show up in your true colors. It's, um, I suppose if I, I, I suppose it's like a, a royal at wedding. You know, people are outside Buckingham Palace, and there's a balcony, and then suddenly the curtains pull back, and out they come. It's the idea of appearing in their full regalia. Christ is going to come back in splendor, and glory, and majesty, and the whole earth will acknowledge it. When will Jesus return? Well, this is the bit you've been waiting for, isn't it? I've got a, I've got a grandson, Charlie, and he said to me recently. He said to me a couple of years ago. He said, "Papa, did you know that Jesus is coming back again?" I said, "Yeah, I did." He said, "Do you know when he's coming back?" I said, "No, I don't." He says, "I thought he'd come back before Christmas, but he didn't." <laughs> and people, people have tried to guess over the centuries. Of course, they can't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows except God Himself. But the Bible says it will be both sudden. And at the same time, there'll be signs proceeding. And and so, there aren't two comings, but two groups of people at one coming. To one group of people, it'll be a total surprise. But that's why we need to talk about this, because to another group of people, it won't come as a surprise. Paul says, be alert, wake up. Jesus is coming back again. It Don't be like the rest of the world. Who, and Jesus talked about it himself. He said it's like the days, uh, he compared his second coming to the days of Noah. A majority of mankind were eating and drinking as normal, unaware that the flood was to come. But seven, Noah and seven others knew that something was about to happen. But they knew it couldn't happen until they finished the ark. So there's a real sense in which, in which you know something's about to come, but you don't actually know when it's going to happen. So let me get into why is Jesus coming back again. Because again, the more we understand the purpose, the, the better I think it'll affect our lives. Number one, to complete what he began. To complete what he began. Here's what Hebrews nine twenty-eight says. <clears throat> so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So there's a, a real sense in which Christ is going to complete the work which He began in us. Now you might say, but, and there's an old term that some of you might be, you might have heard of, the finished work of Christ, and that's true. But in the New Testament, there are always three aspects to our salvation: it's past, present, and future. So we look back and we say, "There was a time in my life whenever I gave my life to Jesus." And, and he forgave my sins, he made me a child of God, and I am in the family of God because of what happened there. And not all, you, not all your life of service can affect uh, will add to that in any way. So you can actually say, past tense, uh, I'm going to use a term that we don't hear a lot about, but it's, I was saved. You can say that with absolute certainty. But there's also a sense in which you say, uh, and it talks in the Bible about um, working out your salvation, not working for it, but working it out through fear and trembling. It's a bit like, suppose you, you sign up to join the army, and you, you, you go, are you ready to do this? Yep. You sign your, your name on the signature, or your, 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 your name on the signature, your signature on the piece of paper, you're in the army. But you spend the next 10 years finding what it's like to be in the army. Yeah. you understand? And that's what, that's what it means. I was saved. I am being saved. God, God, I, I'm, I'm working out what it's like to actually be saved. But there's a third aspect, because when you talk about salvation, it always involves our new bodies. There's always, a, there's always that aspect to it. So he's going to bring us something, what? A, a new body. And he's going to complete what he began. We will have a literal new body. Now, you need a body for earth, but a spirit will do for heaven. God's, God's purpose will not be fulfilled on the, until the entire universe has been restored to its original condition, and you and I get to continue that work until he comes back again. Okay, number two, to conquer the devil, to conquer the devil. There is, Christians believe that there is a, there's a person, called, it's not just a force of evil, But there is a person called the devil, Satan. He's got power and authority. He he is described as the ruler, the prince, and the God of this earth. He's no match for God, and his final outcome is assured. But final victory is not yet complete. So, on planet earth at the minute, there's two kingdoms running alongside each other, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And until Jesus comes back it's still time to go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, because when Christ comes back again, that door will close. So, so there'll be one last confrontation. Please, let me, let me just put this to you. This will not be a physical battle. It doesn't involve guns and bullets and tanks. Jesus doesn't need that. The one who spoke and said, let there be light— And the one who spoke and the world's came into being will speak a word and his enemies will be destroyed. And then the end will come. So he's going to conquer the devil. Number three, to command and restore the world. So Jesus, he said, remember the last vision John had of, of the celestial city, he calls it, the new Jerusalem, was not of something going from earth to heaven, but from something from heaven coming to earth. So, Jesus will reign and rule on planet earth. All the rulers and kingdoms will bow before him. Every knee will bow, even stiff ones. (laughs) Even stiff ones. Revelation 11 says this, "'The kingdom of this world,' has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That will be the period when the whole earth will be filled with his glory. That, you know, it says in Isaiah, they will beat their swords into plowshares shears, and their spears into pruning hooks. The lion will lie down with the lamb. Even the natural world will change. Why? Because the king of the universe will come and reign on planet earth, and you and I will populate that. Wow say, where will we live? I don't know. But there's an incredible sense of God creating an Eden on earth. When God created a space that we call the Garden of Eden, it it was to meet men and women and have relationship and fellowship with them. And when that went wrong through Adam's and Eve's sin, and they were shut out, The rest of the story of the Bible is about God trying to get that space again. There was the tabernacle, the temple, Christ coming, dwelling among us. But there's coming a day when the whole earth will be Eden. It'll be Eden restored, where men and women will walk with Jesus. Adam will have come home again. And if you know Jesus Christ, you'll be part of that. He's going to command the world. Number four, this is the hard one, to condemn the ungodly. It's a really difficult one. The injustices of life demand it. If it seems like evil goes unpunished, think again. Let me read to you probably a verse that you won't have heard a lot about. Certainly not. I certainly haven't read it out publicly for years. It says this. When the Lord Jesus has revealed, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, I beg your pardon. When Je- the Lord Jesus has revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among those all those who have believed. This includes you, because you have believed our testimony to you. When Christ returns, He will begin by judging the world in righteousness. Evil will be put down, the tares rooted out, and destroyed. Why? Because the the justice of God demands it. If you think that evil will go unpunished, you ever sit and watch a television screen and go, "It's not fair." Is that ever? Is anything ever going to be done about that? Please, ladies and gentlemen, that's why. That's why, as Christians, we leave that stuff to God. It says in two, oh, the Old Testament, News, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. And so, that's why, that's, why we don't, that's why we don't take revenge on people. That's why we don't harm people. That's why we don't, we don't get even with people. Why? Because, number one, God knows all the facts. We don't. And He will be the equitable judge, but judge He will. And there's coming a day when we will be faced with that. And, and I, think, I think that day of reckoning, I think it has to be fair. has to be seen to be fair. It has to be public, not in private. Why? Because I I think everybody has to know that. Jesus will be publicly vindicated. They they crucified him as a common criminal. Listen, everybody has to witness on planet earth the greatest of all injustices. And I think God's people will be vindicated. Many Christians… Many Christians have taken their stand and lost their life because of Jesus. These are the people whom Jesus is not ashamed to call his brothers. They'll be honored in front of those who treated them with contempt and hatred. There is a day coming when justice will be done. Listen, we've got two future engagements. This is why, this is why the 5,000 invitations is so important. Hebrews 9 says this, It is appointed unto men and women once to die, and after that the judgment. Two future engagements. And you get to choose which one you will have. No second chances. And number five, and I finish with this almost, is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Talks about this in Revelation 19. Now, it's not, it's not the biggest ever reception, like the one we had last August in the Seago. It's not what it's about. But let me, let me read to you. And John says this. Then I heard what seemed, Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It's the idea of, it's the idea I, I, I've, done, I've done a lot of weddings in my time, and probably the, one of the best ones was last August <laughs> when, when Anna and Philip got married. And when Anna came walking up that, that aisle, you know, actually, I always get emotional when I see that bride, having made herself ready to be united with her groom as one in body and spirit, and the sense is, of course, that there's a day coming when every believer, past, present, future, who at some time express faith in Christ, will be gathered, this great multitude. And, and please allow me picture language. It's as, if, it's as if Jesus is standing at the front, and the bride comes in to do what? To be united with her groom for all eternity. That's why there'll be no marriage in heaven, as Jesus talks about it. Why? Because we'll have a, a widow will have a husband who will always be at her side. The orphan will have a father who will never leave them. The, 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 the church of Jesus Christ will celebrate the culmination of the ages coming together for all eternity. And Jesus will say in the words of Jude 24, He says this, uh, the writer said this, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and great joy, there's a day coming when Jesus will say, Father, I brought them all home safely. I brought them all home safely. And we'll celebrate on that day. Well, how do we prepare? Maybe the band would come up now, would you please? How How do we get ready? How do we prepare? Well, number one, individual faith in Christ, that's how you get ready. That's the principal way you get ready. You get yourself ready. You you say, what do you do? Well, you say, listen, if that's going to happen someday, I want to be there. I want you to join me. I want you to be part of that. But on earth, you get the opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, you're a great Savior, but I'm a great sinner but I want to thank you that you love me and you died for me. And I'm asking you to receive me as your child right now and forgive my sins. If you do that, you will be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Number two, continual service. That's not, Paul talks about it. He says, Look, don't, don't get weary, don't get tired of doing good, for if you keep on going at the right time, you'll reap a harvest. He's coming. To, he's coming back again. And what do we do? We don't give up. We keep on building the kingdom, the now and the not yet. Number three, uh, personal holiness. Remember, He's not coming. He's not coming in the sense of that it's about working for Him to, in order to obtain our salvation. But because we are in Christ, we want to stay close to Him. See, Spurgeon, the theologian of the 19th century, said he never prayed longer than 10 minutes. That's my sort of man. But he never went 10 minutes without prayer. In other words, he was always in continual communion with God. And number four, continual fellowship. In other words, Hebrews 10:25. He says the writer goes, look, don't don't be like some people and forsake coming together because you're going to need each other even more as the day approaches. In other words, there's safety in numbers. Keep coming out, okay? If you're at home, and because of safety reasons and COVID, we understand that, of course. But the normal rule of things is that God's people come together. Why? Because when we come together, we encourage one another. Something powerful about that. And finally, loyal endurance. Loyal endurance. No matter what's thrown at us, And I don't think we're persecuted in this country, please. Let me just make that clear, all right? I don't think that for a moment. But suffering for Christ and righteousness has always been a mark of being a Christian. What gives us determination to stay the course? It is the sure and certain hope of the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. And if you're watching online, Instagram, Facebook, or any any other means, and particularly this morning, if you would like to take that step, of individual faith and giving your life and your your eternal destiny into the hands of Jesus Christ, maybe you might like to pray something like this. Jesus, just into yourself, Jesus, I want to thank you that you love me. I want to thank you that you died for me. I confess my sins and I say yes to you For all eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, You can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Aria Church podcast.